This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Absolutely unbelievable. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. March 13th, 2021, and Swindon have lost 3-1 to Ginningham at an empty county ground. The loss meant that Town were 23rd in League One, just above AFC Wimbledon on goal difference. They would survive the drop and Swindon would not. That Ginningham game is perhaps best remembered for two things. Firstly, John Sheridan's decision to make five subs all at once. And secondly, his post-match quotes, which included... I'm going to take a good look at myself tonight and think about my own position. And perhaps most damningly, at this moment in time, I don't think I can do any more. Naturally, the powers hmm, that be at Swindon seemingly felt that with 11 games left, John Sheridan was the man to do the business. Sheridan's tenure at that point boasted a whopping six wins in the 26 League One games that he had managed. Seven games later, and with the club essentially dead and buried, he did resign, implying that it was pretty much the players' fault for the woes of that season. More recently, He offered to save Oldham Athletic from relegation, which was accepted, and he got a hero's welcome. Their results have shown improvement, but this decision meant that one year to the weekend after that Ginningham game, he would have to return to the county ground. And here to discuss how that game went, and spoiler alert, it went well for Swindon, it's Connor, who was perhaps the most rattled by (laughs) that day. (laughs) Hello, Connor. Hello, Rich. I mean, when you were going through that preamble there at the start, I did think this actually sounds like you're about to introduce me at like a, a post-dinner kind of <laughs> event. Uh, and rather introducing John Sheridan at a post-dinner event where he just wants to sort of have a good time and and uh, maybe poke a little bit of fun at himself. But I'm here. I'm very happy, Rich, I have to say. Um, really, I, f- I wanted to humiliate that man. Um, not personally, but I wanted the, the club that I support to do that. Uh, but actually the way that it came out with pretty much the last thing that happened in the game being the decisive moment like it is just one of the best feelings I've had in a long time and remembering like how we all felt a year ago after that Gillingham game which was like 
yet another dispiriting afternoon of iFollow. Um, during the pandemic, during pro- yeah lockdown of, of some variation, I don't, don't think anything had eased at that point then. So it really was like there was nothing to do other than sort of wallow in my own misery. Uh, and I think one of the only high points of that weekend was uh, being relayed that post-match interview I think by James on the podcast we were like halfway through discussing things maybe 20 minutes into recording and uh, hearing about that um, finishing the recording snipping up uh, the commentary of the five-man substitution over the intro (laughs) putting the podcast out and then just sat there waiting all weekend for the inevitability to be confirmed and uh, sadly it wasn't so um, yeah that when I like when it was raised that that was a year ago I was absolutely astounded because it, it felt like that was much later on in the season but oh it, it's behind us now it is and I think the events of this weekend pretty much put it all to the past it's history now but I want to I want to put a few sort of terms and conditions rules and regulations a few bits and pieces before we go into this pod because I think like we did recently when we had a fantastic result I want to sort of focus on the game just as as a single game as opposed to where it stands for the rest of the season and and we will talk a little bit about the the Sutton game on Tuesday but I perhaps was a bit naive in what I expected this weekend because as I said in over two pods, I said, you know, I was over John Sheridan and I, and I genuinely do think I am. But about halfway through that first half, when John Sheridan, I think, had a pop at someone in, on, on the, in the Swindon dugout, I think it was Baudry. And the Oldham fans were so up for being a part of the pantomime. I suddenly have never wanted Swindon to win more. <laughs> And I've, I've got no problem with Oldham Athletic and I really hope they sort themselves out because they have ownership issues. And I genuinely do think Sheridan will keep them up. But I have never, ever wanted to win a game, a, a game that's not a rivalry more than that one. Yeah, I think I would... Like, it, it, didn't, it wasn't a derby day and it didn't feel like one in the sense that although there was a bit of a pantomime in terms of the pro and anti John Sheridan stuff uh, across fan bases, I, I like Oldham generally speaking. I think I've mentioned several times in the podcast this season that I don't want them to go down, even though, you know, at certain points it has looked very likely. Um, so it wasn't like that kind of game, but there was that kind of just like importance and like something in the air that, a game like that has I don't don't know if you see that the same way but like ju- just for whatever reason like it, it just felt really big going up up to the ground like walking up um taking in the atmosphere pre-game um yeah I, I don't know it just it just like meant that a little bit more and I, I, like leaving the ground I could just feel a lot of pandemic frustration pouring mm. out of me like in a positive way because you know, for, I, I think it's been if we kind of re- rewind and just sort of look at some of the discussions that people have been having on Swindon and Olden Twitter and stuff like that over the last 24 hours. I think there's a lot of amusement from Olden side that we could possibly hate him so much. And I, I think they think that it's like almost a bit out of order the way that Swindon fans seem to see him. And maybe there's an, an element to which it is. Uh, but I think it kind of is just the, the emotions behind that you associate with someone. Uh, kind of sometimes how you see it so pretty much like all I remember John Sheridan for like really is watching I follow feeling absolutely miserable throughout regardless of if we were particularly even if we won the game usually the football was pretty miserable Um, and then uh, listening to him talking absolute nonsense or listening to his assistant talking absolute nonsense and then coming on the podcast uh, and trying my best to not sound like I was on Arsenal fan TV, but like, <laughs> at the end of the day, you're like absolutely raging at like how terrible things were going, um, and having to like <laughs> then spend all evening doing that. Um, so, like, I just probably if he had left at the t- the time, this time last season, then I probably would have just been like, you know what, it, 
not great, but we move on. Uh, and he, he could have come back to town at the weekend and he might have got a little bit of stuff, but nothing unanimous from, from 11,000 people. Um, but I just think, I, I don't know like where the, you know, just negativity that I had at the time from being in lockdown, not having anything to do other than stew over Swindon being awful. Um, and just the fact that Swindon were awful under him um, ends. Uh, I have no idea, uh, but just, the fact that it, it just felt like a victory over all of that as well. Uh, so I, I, I definitely that, that for, yeah, for a game that it's on its own was not particularly important. Cause like that three points is not going to get us over the line anywhere. I don't like, and it, it, yeah, it's not a club that I would really care about beating in and of itself. Yeah. It definitely is up there with like some of the best moments and uh yeah, we, we mentioned the negative stuff. I just think, like, if you, if you like, just think about the positive stuff, like, I, I think at, at certain points, for, uh, as a football fan, you just have to, like, sometimes smell the roses for moments that aren't winning a league and uh, getting in the playoffs and, like, amazing goals and things like that. And a game ending in that way, with that narrative around it, I mean, really, like during the course of the season, it doesn't get much better than that. For 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 my money, that's the best moment of the season so far. It was a hell of a moment, wasn't it? And I think as the game progressed, I, I don't necessarily, I didn't feel the vibes going in like it was any other game. Maybe because you know, like I was saying, I was super relaxed about the whole John Sheridan stuff until about halfway through the first half. And because I had my little daughter with me as well, I wasn't really maybe focused on on the game. I was just entertaining the troop, so to speak. But it, it, it was a very unusual atmosphere in inside the grounds, without a doubt. I was so proud of my daughter who decided instead of being shy, she was going to just try and get involved. Um, she was <laughs> she was chanting throughout the game a whole bunch of stuff that didn't make sense. Um, really did fit into the Don Rogers stand uh, in that sense. And at one stage, she was she was saying something about going down there and, and telling the referee what she thought of him. And there was <laughs> there was nothing happening at that moment in time to suggest that that he deserved that. But fair play to to uh, the the heir to the pull and fortune. She did a fantastic job. Um, Oldham Athletic though. God blimey, they are set up like a John Sheridan team if we're talking about stereotypes. I'm going to say it because there's a lot of praise for the Swindon performance. I personally don't think we were that great. I don't think we needed to be, but I did think Oldham were absolutely garbage. Uh, I mean, where do you begin with that? Uh, I think you're probably right about our performance uh, in terms of I think we almost just went out there to beat what was put in front of us rather than putting on any kind of show. And that yeah. that's partly just down to who was at our disposal. I think it's a good team. We have a little bit more on the bench than we had for um, Exeter. And, you know, obviously that's a good thing. Um, but you're missing your 15, 16 goal a season man so far in McCurdy, who even when he's not scoring recently, we've talked on the podcast about how like just for overall play he's been so key in terms of work, working those openings, taking people's attention away from Davison and Barry when they're, when, when they're on the pitch. We didn't have Louis Barry either, who like we've seen some brilliant things from in the past couple of weeks before his injury. Um, so it was kind of a little bit, not, not makeshift because the players were all in their positions and that kind of thing. Um, but in terms of the attack, it was kind of there was there was an element of second string about it. I mean, Payne probably you wouldn't so much want him to be sort of coming in um, off the right. You you probably really want him sort of in centre in the centre. Um, Mitchell Lawson, we've not seen a huge amount of him this season. I think he, he he acquitted himself pretty well, but you can just see that there is an upgrade in our squad above him at the moment in terms of the performance levels. So. I think if you take that into account, I wasn't expecting fireworks and we we didn't get them, but I think the, the players that were there sort of got, were reasonably good. What we did have was quite a solid base. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that the system that we played going back to the back four was the correct decision. Um, actually having Odomayo as the left back, 
probably worked out really well in terms of the, the the way that they're trying to play because just having like a bigger guy at fullback probably um, did just help in some of those kind of aerial battles and they were trying to like play in the channels a little bit. Uh, so I I don't I would I don't really have anything negative to say about our performance because I honestly I couldn't have expected too much more given the circumstances um, and you know yeah, we we could have put them under more, more pressure and been more exciting but I think that that's reliant on sort of having the players to do that or at least even just like having the bench to do that like really only Johnny Williams was like an attacking substitute that we can make that made the team stronger um, so. That's that that part. I just I think it is what it is. I, I almost I think you have to just look at this game in the context of this game only because going on to Tuesday, it's then going to be a very different game, even if the style of football is not worlds and worlds apart, um, just because the available personnel is going to be different. Uh, but I mean, with Oldham, yeah, you, I, I don't think they're as shambolic as we were last season. Like, I think they they do look a bit more drilled. You can just tell he cares about them more and yeah. is trying more. And I, I I think that is a little bit again why they love him and we hate him is because he didn't care at that Swindon didn't give well, didn't give the impression he did, but he does give the impression he cares about Oldham and they do look reasonably well drilled. They didn't have really many ideas, and you're not if you're gonna have someone like Christopher Mistelu as like your key man in midfield. Um, but between Hallam Hope and Bahambula, there are a couple of good players in that team that look like that. Like at least, I, I don't think there was really many points that I felt particularly worried about either of them scoring. But there were points where, you know, they they kind of showed a little bit of quality. And then obviously, usually with Bahambula, that was in the build-up where he absolutely oh, <laughs> shanked a shot. Uh, but you know. There are players at his disposal there, and like it, it wasn't a foregone conclusion going into the game. So, um, yeah, it, the the game played out probably as we should have expected pre-game. Yeah, uh, just for uh, confirmation, the uh, the Swindon lineup was Wallacott, Odomeo, Conroy, O'Brien, Hunt, Reed, Iandolo, Agua, Mitchell, Lawson, Payne, and Davison. So Baudry dropped to the bench, as, as did Ryan. East and Johnny Williams also. And I would say the first 20 minutes or so, I think Swindon were the better side throughout the whole game. But the first until the first yellow, it was kind of it was kind of equal, quite even. And then the referee, D Rock, which is one of the most hip-hop names in you know the EFL <laughs> referees list, it has to be, then had a bit of a job on his hands because it sort of descended into tactical fouls and tactical yellow cards and it it just disjointed Swindon which was of course the plan yeah um I mean I don't think their plan would have been to get as many yellow cards as they did and I think if you listen to some of the Oldham commentary they were getting really like wound up by the fact that the fouls that Oldham were doing were being rewarded with yellow cards and I think probably there was like an element to which we must just have this this sort of um, diving team and uh, sort of uh, reputation now because it, it does seem to be, we, we talked about earlier in the season and I mean, I didn't see any dives, but I'm a Swindon fan with my red tinted goggles on. Um, what I thought was quite noticeable, there are a couple of things down in the corner uh, near the Don Rogers um, and the, the Stratton Bank towards the end of the first half where you could see that players were getting frustrated. Um, I think there was one incident. I mean, like it must have been after three or four Oldham yellow cards where they put pretty bad tackles in, but then like the tackles and none of them are red card kind of material. But as a totting up process, you think like, oh, can, can one of these yellow cards be on someone who's already got one of the yellow cards, please? <laughs> um, but um, I, I remember like, Rob Hunt absolutely cleaning one of them out with like you don't kick a ball in the way that he, he made this foul I was just thinking like yeah you, you in the in the circumstances you kind of have to give some back but it, it's one of those things where you could, you could tell that, that they were getting a bit annoyed about the treatment that they were getting especially down that side all of the all of the big fouls seem to be happening sort of down our, our right hand side um probably because Payne was marked out as the danger man and uh was the danger man for all intents and purposes in that that first half, but um, yeah, it 
it there wasn't much in the way of like flowing football from either side really and I think we kind of tried to do it but you know if you if you keep getting fouled then it's not going to happen and there are a couple of moments um I, I think there was like one attack where it like when I think there was about four people that were lined up to shoot and just couldn't quite get it away uh with like it might have been like Davison then Mitchell Lawson then Iandolo then Odomeo and like with each shot the chance of it going in was like decreasing um <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just it just felt really funny at the time um but yeah it, it was one of those where i th- i think having watched John Sheridan's football last season you, you you can just kind of usually they put themselves behind by shooting themselves in the foot if a John Sheridan team as far as i've seen it but the longer you wait the longer the like the the, the better the chances that they'll do it at some point anyway so um it, in that first half i wasn't hugely entertained but i wasn't hugely concerned either Jaden Mitchell Lawson became that sort of figure of hate to the Oldham fans throughout the game due to a tackle that happened just underneath them. Um, and it resulted in a booking. And I think maybe it was the rolling around. I don't know. It, it looked like a foul from where I was. But again, I ought to probably have those red tinted goggles on. Although I will say I'm absolutely aware Swindon do have a tendency to go to ground, but I think many of those yellows were probably the correct decision. Um, I haven't gone back and watched them all again, but I think that reaction from the Oldham fans helped Mitchell Lawson probably have his best league game for Swindon. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that um, in, in terms of like, I mean, very clearly, uh, well, I, I say very clearly, I, I I can't really remember everything off the top of my head, but he he was like quite good for us throughout. Like seemed to be able to keep hold of the ball, create a few sort of half decent chances, and uh, like really, I wouldn't have asked a lot more from him because I I think we, we know that he 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 clearly seems to be a good player, having played at a higher level for a season and, and done well there under our current manager. So. There is a player in there, and we've we've not really seen enough of him to sort of see if that is if that's going to kind of come out for us. But um, yeah, you see, he just seemed to grow grow into it like the more he had it, and um, yeah, ultimately, I mean, <laughs> towards the end, like he was trying to do sort of some of the like McCurdy light kind of uh, stuff for our crowd. So maybe he he was enjoying the uh, <laughs> the the extra attention from the Oldham fans. Um, but yeah, I think it just that that moment kind of gave the game a bit of its spice. Because if I don't, if I don't, if I'm not wrong, that happened about 32, 33 minutes in, mm. uh, and probably within a two, three minute period after that was the the Sheridan sort of fracas on the bench, uh, which from where I was, you couldn't see at all what was going on. But um, I think people are saying that that was the the Baudry moment. So yeah, that that game that that kind of moment kind of woke us up a little bit as fans I feel yeah. like I, I got into the game a little bit more after that I mean not not that I wasn't in it before but like I wanted to be a little bit more vocal than I probably had been I was just a shrinking violet sat, <laughs> sat in my, <laughs> my season ticket seat um so yeah it's uh that I, I think that was probably a big moment for everyone not just Mitchell Lawson but yeah definitely it, it was like he got booed off by their fans like I'm sure he's buzzing off of that yeah yeah. And in terms of where you started to sort of react, I'm exactly the same. That was the exact point where I was like, I do not want us to lose this game. Um, we, we absolutely have, have to. And I was over the moon that Sheridan reacted. And I was over the moon that the Oldham fans were playing along too. Because if Sheridan would have just took the moral high ground, had his hands in his pockets and just ignored everything, I think it would have just been like, oh, are we the baddies? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, we are. We 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 in his personal story and in Oldham, we we are the baddies, and in our story, we're the heroes. And like, <laughs> like I think people seem to be arguing about this kind of thing <laughs> about like what what's right. And so, well, it, there's just two versions of of the story, and it, neither of them are right. They're all interpretations based on like what we've seen of John Sheridan. We, we I, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, so I won't labour the point, but. It's one of those things where, like, like Oldham fans don't need to understand where we're coming from. We don't need to understand why they love him because yeah. it, it, he just is what he is to both sets of fans. And 
you know, like if he keeps them up, then great. We've now had our moment with John Sheridan the season that we wanted. So perfect. Yeah, it's not that they don't need to know either. Reading comments across social media, media it's quite clear they don't care either um, what the backstory is um, to the John Sheridan circus when he was at Swindon. Nil-nil at halftime, about right. You know, we, we needed something. I think from Swindon's performance, again, you know, reading through the listeners' contributions, which hopefully I'll be able to um provide but we have had technical issues today uh, there were a lot of sort of nods to Swindon playing slick football but I think I agree to the point that there was a lot of endeavor and a lot of attempts but there were also a lot of misplaced passes at the key moment uh, am I being harsh there or did I just see two feel really dejected by them and now I've summarized the whole game that we couldn't you know string a pass together um well, in, in the decisive moments, we weren't getting the passes to the place that we wanted them to because we weren't really, we like, we weren't creating, like, huge clear-cut chances up until really, like, right towards the end. Uh, so at some point in every phase of play that we had, like, we gave away the ball at some point. And that, that's just natural. If you're, not, if you're not scoring, like, at some point, you give the ball away, right? So I think you're, you're probably right. Um, I do think we did play some good football as well. I mean, yeah, actually, like, one bit where if we're to praise Conroy for something other than the goal, um, which I think we can, because I think he was like markedly improved from at least what I've heard of his performance at Exeter and what I've seen of his performances throughout 2022 when he was in the team back in January, is like that. Like there were kind of the way that he was interchanging with Odomeo and Reed and O'Brien, like there were points where he would just like step up into kind of like a midfieldish position and it would like just completely bamboozle Bambula and Hope and whoever the other guys that old. I, I only recognise the people with Swindon, with Swindon things. Oh, Carl Pierre Gianni. Goodness me. He was a, I think, blonde ponytailed. Oh, yeah. The, the was, guy scored against us. So Exel for guy, yeah. Yeah, he was, oh, he was mouthy, isn't he? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I recognise the ones that I could I could read their names on the back of the shirts because they were down near me as well. But um, it, like th- there were points where, yeah, like if, if I get back onto my point. Uh, no, I've, I've derailed myself. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, if I'm like he, he would just kind of step out and we'd have like a, a shape that looks a bit weird. But then it was just like really actually useful in terms of getting the ball out of that kind of defensive third into kind of trying to do something in midfield and like just led to some like really nice quick passing football around the back um and I think because they they bet they were sat so deep for most of the game and they they were just kind of like your classic two banks of four kind of team um we did just have a lot of the ball around the back and it, it wasn't possession that was pointless but it was also like hard to kind of work an opening so once they did work an opening, they had to like get it forward. But I, I don't, again, I, I just think that's a case of like playing the team that's in front of you. And, you know, like if you have the ball, they're not pressuring us. Then they weren't pressing us high. They weren't trying to get the ball sort of back in that kind of, def- in our defensive third, their attacking third. Um, they were just kind of waiting for us to go forward, get the ball back and then get the ball forward themselves as quickly as possible. So um we we probably, you know, were able to like push it a bit more and just didn't quite come off. I don't know if that that's a, a jumble of words, Rich, but I don't know if, if that makes sense to you. <laughs> hey, what does it matter what I think? You know, I can't remember <laughs> half of what happened yesterday beyond the goal. Everything was erased. But um, yeah, I, I, in terms of the defence, I think they dealt with everything that they had to deal with very well. There just wasn't much of it. Not once, even when they were sort of pressing forward, I had no confidence that Bahambula despite you know his good build-up play was going to threaten us at any point and Hallam Hope was a, a, a little bit like his Swindon career really lots of endeavor lots of effort but just wasn't getting the opportunities and you know he tried to uh, give us the hand of God 
I, we're going all over the place here, Connor, but imagine, <laughs> imagine uh, if that was given. <laughs> well, and the, the thing is, I'm obviously the referee and the linesman saw it. So all, all praise to them. I in the in real time, I was like, what's that being <laughs> brought back for? Really? Why is that yellow card? I couldn't I couldn't see it. I don't know if I was just maybe I just blinked while he had his arm up. I don't know. But I, I thought that was given for like a, a foul on Wallacott, which didn't look to have happened, but you never know. You never know. Um, yeah, if that had if that would have happened, then I really don't know how I'd have reacted. But I mean, yeah, it was it was the Hallam hope that we we knew and in in many cases liked. Um, yeah, uh, on on Saturday, just in terms of like you see, he does work hard, and I think he, he played kind of centre forward in that first half, and then more out on the left on uh, sort of later on in the first, and then in the second, uh, and worked hard defensively like played really well I thought like he 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 just got back into that left back spot a lot which I know we, we did play in there a little bit um but yeah he just just seemed to to really want to sort of do something and I, I know that last week when he scored against Carlisle he gave it large against his former club there so I think he, he, he probably did really want to do it to us as well <laughs> well um, well I mean let's let's get it out of the way at the moment unless it was for the handball he did not deserve to be booed. I mean, even if, even if, I mean, who cares really? I mean, because the handball didn't, it didn't go in, didn't cause us a real problem. Yeah. It probably got us out of a hole in which if he'd have tried to play the ball with his head, we, we could have been in a much messier situation than if he had gone for the hand of God. Um, so yeah, it's a really weird one. I really liked him last season. And I think going back to that kind of effort thing, we watched a lot of Brett Pittman strolling around like he was out on a jog out in the park on a Sunday morning uh, last season. Hallam Hope always gave 110% effort, kind of. Well, if if you can actually give it, he always he always was trying. He had some good moments. Uh, he, he's a decent player. What a baller! Um, <laughs> I, I I like I have nothing really negative to say about him, and you know it was probably right that he left and. Obviously, he's not he's not gone on to better things by joining Oldham. He's at a club that are lower down the league and uh, and whatnot. But like, I can't really get why you would boo someone just because they're a former player. But yeah, I mean, people have their own opinions, don't they? They certainly do. In terms of individual performances, because I don't think it was a I don't think it was a bad performance by individuals. I don't think anyone comes out of that going you had an absolute stinker. It was just felt a little bit disjointed throughout the 90 a few a few observations really because I want us to celebrate the goal without really any regard for for negatives because it was magical um Ricky Aguilar one lovely bit of skill in the first half absolutely and he, he had a chance to uh unleash a shot from range but he, he looks like he's getting a bit leggy now he's getting a bit tired and you can't blame him for that given the the upgrade in in level he's expected to play do you think there's a chance he might end up on the bench sooner rather than later, or am I being harsh? Um, he, I mean, his performances the last couple of games that I've seen him haven't been quite as good as the first few games, and especially in that Walsall one. But it would be hard to play to that kind of Walsall level often uh, because that was like an absolutely unbelievable performance from him. Mm. Um, I don't expect him to be at that level to be in the team. I expect him I, like I, he, he's playing at a higher level at, at the moment to probably what we would have expected from a guy who's, who we signed from Worthing in the summer. Absolutely. So I, I don't think it's negative to suggest that you know once Jack Payne's back that you might want to sort of fit him in somewhere and like once you have attackers that mean Jack Payne doesn't have to play out on the right wing, for example, then that might be a chance to like just give Aguilar a rest and, you know, maybe give him 20 minutes off the bench or, um, I mean, even start him and then, you know, give him half an hour of a rest at the end of a game or something. Um, I'm not calling for that necessarily because I think he, he works really hard. And like, even if in the flashy moments of the game, the moments haven't quite been there the last couple of times I've seen him, uh, I do still think that like, there, there's just something about like his dynamism and, and work rate that I think we probably can't really put our finger on exactly what it is, but I just think it would be missing if he wasn't in the team. So mm. I don't know. I don't know what I think, honestly, Rich, but um, 
I, I can see him like not playing in one of the games this coming week, uh, whether that is Tuesday or whether, or whether it's uh, Saturday. Um, but I don't think that would like necessarily be a reflection on anyone, just the fact that for, he, he kind of got into the team because there was no way of rotating the midfield. And there's now options to rotate in midfield because, you know, Payne's back. Hopefully before long, we'll be having a couple more players back in midfield. Um, and the midfield players that also fill in in attacking areas, hopefully we're going to have some of the attackers back as well. So, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. I, I think as well, looking at like a, a guy who's kind of breaking out, like the 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 pathway to his kind of development is not going to be completely linear. Like he's going to be up and down a little bit, but, but hopefully the trend is like mostly upwards. So, um, what, 10 games left? I'm sure he's not going to start, start all 10, but um, I'm sure that there'll be moments in those 10 that he's he's big for us. Yeah, and I want to make it clear that I'm not against his efforts or his performances. I just think like with 10 games left and with the way this squad has been suffering on the injuries front, let's preserve him, you know, and it's all well and good me saying that, but we've got to have people come in to preserve him potentially. Um, if his season ended tomorrow and Swindon went up, we, he can look at his contribution over the last month or so and, you know, be extremely proud of what he's achieved in such a short space of time. Josh Davison, again, lots of endeavour, lots of movement, lots of effort, so much effort, Connor. <laughs> Davison, <laughs> he is such a trier, but he also, it's just not clicking the last couple of games for him. No opportunities, not even be able to feed anyone. Um, it, I, I just want to see this guy thrive because I can see what he's trying to do, what he wants to do and what he wants, how, the, how he wants the game to pan out. But he just ends up getting isolated so much. There was one bit where there was like a free kick and he was at the far, beyond the far post at the edge of the box instead of in there. I was a bit unsure what was going on there, but I, I like him so much and I, I want more reward for his efforts. And it must be so frustrating to be him sometimes. I think he's a partnerships player, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he took a little bit of a while to get going. He kind of made that partnership with McCurdy and then McCurdy's been out the last couple of games. So I think it almost stands to reason that his performances, although like the effort's always going to be there with him, I, I think that part we're now never going to question. Um, it, it might just mean that he's not quite like the the key the key player in the attacking moments and especially against a team like Oldham the way that they were set up big center backs bit like dominant in the air um his strength is in the air but then if you're going to yeah like if, like if if their whole thing is sort of winning aerial balls then uh it's going to make it sort of a, a more difficult thing for him to play than 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 usual so um i i have a lot of time for him uh i think he's a really good player but I, I just think he he needs someone to vibe off of basically up front, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I think he he's learning where McCurdy wants to be. But then all of a sudden you don't have McCurdy there, and then what do you do? Like you know, Jack Payne takes up very very different positions when he's playing on on the right. He doesn't doesn't go down the line at all. He wants to cut in and wants to combine with Reed. Um, it just it just makes the game very different for Davison. So uh, you heard it here first. Next week big time now that McCurdy's back for, for Josh Davison. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. There were there were elements in the second half when we were shooting from range a few times. Danny Rogers in the Olden goal, getting down to them quite easily. Um, Danny Rogers had the uh, goalkeeper kit that looked like the home kit with like a, a light blue bib on. It was it was quite remarkable. Um, yeah, so it wasn't really clicking. And, and I, I always get that sense that Swindon are trying to score the perfect goal and it just wasn't happening. But then Johnny Williams comes on with about 22, 23 minutes to go for pain, which I think a lot of people thought, oh, what's, what's happening here? But it was a really good decision from Ben Garner because Johnny Williams, you know, put in a, a very good performance, did what needed to be done. And we also saw a debut for Mandela Egbo. Um, it 
you know, typical presser quotes from Ghana. We'll see international clearance. They probably started getting that sorted days before this game and any questions were asked. And he came on and he almost made an impact with his very first contribution, a uh, low cross that was gathered by Rogers, but it was very, very threatening. Um, not the position or the, that I was expecting to see Egbo play, but if that's what he's got in him for the remainder 10 games, we, we could have a very interesting player here. I mean, this is a guy who's played Bundesliga football. He's played in the MLS or MLS, as our American listeners will probably correct us because mm-hmm. they don't like definite articles. Do not, no. um, yeah, like he he's played at high, like okay, like we can we can laugh at the American standard of soccer as they would call it, all we like, but like Red New York Red Bulls, that's a high standard of football. He's been coached by Thierry Henry. Uh, so like that, there are big names there um, um, at that club, and um, like especially in the coaching department. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if the, the the Red Bull system, Max Eberl at Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, Darmstadt like him, then clearly he is there is a good player in there. And um, if Ben Garner likes him and has had him on trial and uh, is willing to bring him through, like. I think we have to get like we have to see see that as a good thing as well at, at this point because he clearly does have an eye for a player and or like the 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 hierarchy that is in place there have an eye for a player so um, no big surprises to see him make a good impact on his debut um, like obviously he's a player that I mean I, I for me like similar to Louis Barry like was aware of him as soon as he I mean you were aware of him at, at Palace I, I think you said but. Yeah. Um, as soon as he made the step to go abroad, like he's immediately a player that's on my radar to sort of see what he's doing. And I think he was like the first, the first English talent to go out to the Bundesliga and, and, and kind of create that route for later, like Sancho and Reese Nelson and, uh, and all of that lot. So um, yeah, was, it's, it's a little bit bizarre <laughs> uh, seeing him in a Swindon shirt, like having been aware of him as like a, a really big talent. Um, what, seven years ago now. Um but really good to see. And I'm really looking forward to like, hopefully seeing what he can do. Like once he does get some starts and uh, put, putting some like minutes uh, together in a, in a town shirt. Cause like you say, his first involvement is a like really, really smart cross. Uh, and there are a couple of other nice ones um, towards the end. Obviously he also gets fouled for the free kick from which we scored. So um, considering he got what, 10, 15 minutes, like that's a, a very nice cameo from him. And I really like the fact that he was the one to highlight that that was actually his first senior game in English football. Yeah. What, he's 24? Like, he's the same age as McCurdy. Uh, and obviously very different careers, but clearly, clearly um, uh, an exciting player to have around. And yeah, just the fact that we've got a German speaker in the squad at long last after Stephen Bender's gone. I mean, for me, that's that's huge. <laughs> It really is. Is there anything else we need to discuss before we start talking about the build-up and the goal? Well, I mean, how were you feeling before the goal, Rich? Because yeah. I was, like, to be honest, I never really was doubting that we would score uh, up until it got to probably the second yellow uh, and they just took so much time to get the game started again. And I just thought, oh no, like that, there's going to be about three minutes of injury time yeah. where there's no football played. And there was three minutes of injury time where there's no football played-ish. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. But literally until the 91st minute, I think that's when the, the second yellow was given. I thought we were going to score. But and so what, what did you think? No, I, I was telling Rich Banyard, who I sit next to, like football you know, the football gods don't like us. This is this is not going to happen. So the red card finally comes in injury time. Big deal was my mind. They'll just put everyone behind the ball and, you know, get it away, whatever. We, we, we won in the last minute a week ago. It doesn't happen twice. And then we have the free kick for Louis Reed. And that's the moment really. And I was like, go on. And then it hits the hits wall. The wall. Oh, and then I'm like, well, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not a lever of games early. Um, so I'm seeing it through, but I'm like, I'm still, you know, it's the hope. And then the the foul 
for I think it was Jack Stobbs that brings Manny Egbo down. And I just couldn't believe what a daft thing that was because it was a foul. <laughs> and yeah. and it, it, it and uh, even then I got to be honest I didn't expect I didn't expect anything to come from it until I looked to the Oldham fans because I, I sit opposite them in the in the Don Rogers and as Williams and Iandolo Ian Dolo of course were standing over the ball I looked over to the away end and you know there's hands on heads there's people just watching because you know whatever and you know what they're all muttering this is it <laughs> and I saw one Oldham fan now at the bottom of the the top the, you know the main tier of the away end there's a there's a yellow railing and then there was this guy who was obviously so nervous he was just draped over this railing with his hands over his head and he couldn't watch <laughs> and that was the moment where I thought hello it meant nothing you know they yeah. don't know that but that was the one moment I was thinking oh this guy knows something and then I turn and then I watch some of the worst man marking. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the guy who got sent off, that was like Conroy was his man. Well, yeah. What was he thinking? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I think Dion Conroy makes what five little steps to then get a free header where the ball essentially hits him on the head and goes in. Such a weird finish. I mean, no, not, not in a bad way. I'm no. Not, Dion, if you're listening, I'm not saying this in a bad way at all. I just like... In the moment, I just was like, how has that gone in? I just don't understand what happened. It was like an own goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and that's, I mean, obviously it's the, the, the centre-back school of finishing. It should look like an own goal. But <laughs> it's so, so funny when you compare it to like his other sh- other chance, which was like the blast from about 35 yards that just went wide. A very different kind of opportunity. But I mean... It's poetry, isn't it? Oh, that he so scores good. a little, a little stooping, a stooping header, similar to a meteorite landing in the, in the base <laughs> of the net. It's absolutely, ah, uh, you know, you you couldn't write it, Rich. Yeah, you really couldn't. And if they did, that's probably how it would end. But <laughs> yeah, it's, you actually could write it. Could yeah, write it. Exactly, yeah, that is the exact exact script you'd choose. <laughs> um, brilliant, because. I think the confusion when listening back to Andrew Hawes is that Dion falls over, Parsons sort of wheels away, but he almost falls over. Um, and then they all just sort of collectively run towards the town end with no one really looking like they're taking credit. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was one of, if not my favourite moment of the season so far, because... It, it just closed the book on last season for me. John Sheridan can come back with another team, with Oldham, with whoever, and it won't have the impact that that moment had. That for me was just like, there you go. And the fact that Dion trusts the process, Conroy, whose <laughs> career was really not by that interview, you know, that throwaway captain doing what he has to do and just say, yeah, we're, trusting the process getting on with it and that really did rattle the the fan base at that that time which is understandable but it really took him back a few steps and i think a lot of the origins of what we saw what we heard and what we learned about in the away end at exeter go back to that interview in many ways sure he puts in some really careless performances from time to time but don't they all um with some you know <laughs> clear exceptions but I think that is an origin for Dion's relationship with some of the supporters. So for him to be able to score that, put his hands to his ears. I wish he went closer. I wish I wish he went like full up to his face. And um, and then I would, you know, I just like to see a scrap from afar, to be honest. Yeah, but we should have scored from the other wing so that he could have run past. Show some dugouts, really, but. It's, we're classy. It we're, classy. we're classier. You know, oh, I want them. I want him to sort of go over there and sort of start doing all, you know, <laughs> all sorts of dances and and you know so forth. And then John Sheridan to get offended. But you know, he's a classy guy, is Dion. Clearly, they went to the fans and celebrated the way it should be. Apparently, John Sher- Sheridan just stood there, static, didn't respond. Um, was was probably didn't care. Didn't care, Didn't um, care. As, as he said about the six thousand Swindon fans. He played for Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday, don't you know? Yeah. Um, He's so... not going to be worried by Dion Conway scoring. 
yeah, no, it, I mean, it was just, I mean, the thing is, the, the best thing about the moment is you have the 95 minutes of the game up until then, kind of in, in the back of your head. It's not been the greatest performance. It's not been like a horrible afternoon of football either. It's, it's been fine mm. without it kind of coming to anything until that point. You get the last minute winner on that on its own. That is an, a, an amazing afternoon, an amazing moment. You add in the context of what the stories were going into the game. It's brilliant. And just, yeah, like we, we've given Dion some criticism over the last few weeks. Um, obviously, like I think most people have kept it kind of. It, trying to keep it fair in terms of like th- there are some sort of points in his game recently that just have felt um like they're just quite not like not quite up to um the standard that we've seen of him before um and with other players in the squad that um we do we have seen some really good performances from recently um I think it's natural that there is a discussion about that and uh, about some of his performances but he's been here for five years we've seen a lot of the downs we've seen some of the ups um like on a personal level, I just think like you have to just be absolutely thrilled for him that that happened because yeah. um, just like we not okay, we we haven't all had like horrible bosses and stuff like that, but a lot of people have, um, and a lot of people can kind of w- without anything that he said, just kind of imagine um, like what that might have been like last year. Um, and like the thoughts in his head when he was saying that trust the process interview that was the night at Fratton Park where like we all heard how John Sheridan was talking to the players Um, and I remember like listening to the interview and thinking I mean firstly like I just don't believe what he's saying but like secondly like like yeah would you trust this process kind of thing and I think yeah as, as, as a person to just kind of drive home uh, a kind of message. If you if you consider us doing that a message, um, there's there's no better person. And just some of the images after the game, the fact that all everyone was going to over to him uh, and to a couple of the other players that were under contract with us this season to celebrate. And you could, like, I think the the official account on Twitter and Instagram put up a picture this morning. We can just see like him and Jack Payne's face is just completely contorted in like it's not even joy it's like a mixture of the good and the bad of human emotion um like that's that's what it means and like honestly like in, in the moment I just had like little tears in my eyes again just like from personal frustrations from last year and from just the joy of the moment and the, the narrative of the moment like that that elevates something that just on a very basic level is like the greatest moment like of you know like that yeah like I say without any of that it's still one of the greatest moments of the season with that I I can't think of anything to rival it um so I've run out of words Rich (laughs) (laughs) well congratulations you've reached the end of the road no I, I was just and I agree with everything you just said there and I was desperate for some sort of positive drama because I think that was like what the fifth 10,000 plus attendance that we we had at the county ground and you know I'm always desperate for fans especially the floating ones to see something great so it makes them want to come back especially with a game on Tuesday and I think that was the first one the season we've won and what a way to do it and against and with that narrative it was brilliant I mean I know for a fact that my daughter would wants to come again you know, because that moment, that that crazy moment where everyone around is going, yes, at her. At her. And it's not scary. It's just, <laughs> it's joyous. And that's what we all dream of every injury time when it's nil-nil. You know, we all dream of those moments. But it, it was great. And it was that picture of Dion and, and Jack, you know, a split second later and they could be smiling. But it looked like just raw emotion of just getting there. And it was... It was really good. And even just in the town end, it adds to it when you see those people huddled because they want to leave, but they're too, they want to get their bus, but they also don't want to miss the moment of the season. So they're just sort of milling around the corner and seeing them try and do the long sprint to the celebrations. <laughs> uh, they need to get that bus, but they can miss that bus in, in, in those sort of moments. No, it was, it was really, really good. And 
And it didn't feel good about, it didn't feel good like, this is it, this is the turning point of our season. We're going to go and win every game now. It just, it just all felt, and to sound obsessed to any Oldham fan that's listening to this, it just felt like for what we experienced last year, whether that was Sheridan's fault, whether he was just the poster boy of a god-awful regime, he was the face and he was the voice for most of it because everybody started, everybody else above him were lying low unless it was in the comfort of an interview, which you could only ask certain questions. It just felt like it was us sticking our middle finger up to the 2020-21 season. And I think that was needed. Yeah, and you can hear it in so many of the commentaries. Uh, like, I mean, the, the commentary on BBC Wilts for the goal is absolutely fantastic. I've just watched it back and back and back um, ever since, ever since uh, the, the game. Um, like so many of the videos, just the roar of the crowds. I mean... It, it because the goal is like nowhere near as um, like aesthetically pleasing as like Gordon Greer's equaliser against Norwich all those years ago. Yeah, uh, but for a moment it's just as good. Um, and and, be- and the Gordon better. and the Gordon uh, Greer moment was great because it felt like it was a promotion moment. You yeah. know that's that's why that but, that, felt but that does as well though. Like I mean I know I know you're saying in the. Like the reason that moment's great is because um, of you know the backstory and just like what it meant in the moment. But also, it is a big goal in terms of like yeah. if if we get promoted, then that's a huge goal. And I think in terms of hopefully mending a couple of those bridges between the fan base and Dion, just in terms of like I just think we now kind of that goal kind of you just think I, I mean like in the context of the rest of the performance against Oldham from him, which was very good I thought um I just think that hopefully just like at least shuts people up a little bit and like myself included just like if I if I just think in one moment you know maybe so so and so would do this better or or something like that then maybe I just won't I'll just be like well you know he scored that goal so yeah whatever um like hopefully that's a, a big moment for him and like you say there are 11,000 Swindon fans there um on on Saturday and like I'm, I, you can't have been a Swindon fan watching that at the end and not had a great, great afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at least in that moment. So hopefully, it's like one of those things that just means that you know the 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 gates towards the end of the season. We've got what like five home games left. Hopefully, we push eleven on on a few more of those. Hopefully, get even higher on a few more of those uh, because those moments, like you know, that moment footballing wise could have been the same in front of six thousand. Um, or, you know, even in front of zero, uh, like we had last season, like the the moment where Broadbent scores against Oxford still felt absolutely huge, even though no one was there. But, I mean, like watching the clips and just seeing 11,000 people erupt at the same time, it, it's just so special. And that's, you know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? I, 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 again, I'm teetering on the verge of like not having anything particularly interesting or insightful to say. Um, some might say that's been, you know, since I've joined the podcast, but uh, <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> we, we, we can, we can compete with Terry. Terry gets yeah. all the good feedback and we're just enthusiastic, aren't we? So yeah, we I think, do? I think, you know, we, we've coordinated the vibes, um, you know, Terry can come in at some point and tell us, um, <laughs> you know, wh- whether we're wrong or right, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, it's, I, I just think for like for, for the, yeah, for, I, I run out of things to say, Rich, but yeah, no, it, it, it was just an absolutely amazing moment. And just like one of those days where like you will remember that as a Swindon fan, even though that game's not crucial. At this point, John Sheridan is just a footnote. So, you know, maybe in a couple of years, that's not the reason we care so much about that. But um, it, it's rare that you're at a game and like in real time, you're aware that you're like watching something you're going to be remembering similar to like goals that you've seen in the past. Uh, for for a while to come, but that that was one of them. So, yeah, and then at full time, which happened immediately, and I wasn't, you know, having been traumatized by Jerry Yates scoring a injury time winner at Cheltenham, only for Swindon to concede straight after. I was really reassured because the referee was doing all the body language of just this is over, 
and I was like, that's all right, don't worry. There was no there was no time for the upper up and under. And then Sheridan departs pretty quickly, but with enough time <laughs> for him to channel his outer oxide and neutrino by up middle fingering. Oh, that doesn't sound right. Um, the Swindon fans in the Arkles. Um, a charge, no doubt, but very, very funny. Hugely funny. And I think I'm glad that he did it because it plays into the, like I say, the pantomime yes. of it all. Um, he is more than within his right to dislike us for that and yep. find that, find what we've, how we treated him on Saturday outrageous that's fine i don't care i i I would prefer that he did because (laughs) that makes it better um i i also don't think he needs to be held to a higher standard of behavior than any of us like you can see in the video people making hand gestures at him yep so do it back i don't care i don't think he should be charged honestly because like you know that will happen happen. i I agree okay if if it happens it happens it shouldn't happen because if he hadn't have done that it would have there would have been something lacking from everything yeah uh and because he's done it we've now got that (laughs) that image just (laughs) just to prove that for a brief moment in time he was rattled uh and to bring that full circle to how rattled i was 365 days ago rich uh, rattled Well, I was not rattled yesterday, so there we go. (laughs) It's absolutely insane how close it is at League Two. We'll we'll discuss that in just a few moments' time. But first man of the match, the listeners comprehensively gave it to Dion Conroy, and it's hard to argue, goal or no goal? Um, Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't think I would have given him man of the match before the goal. Reed, Uh, isn't it? Reed. I didn't disagree with Reed when it was... Like when when he was the sponsors man of the match, um, I was probably also thinking about Payne. I think he was pretty good uh, for the seventy minutes or so that he was on. I think that the difficulty with the with that is that like pretty much everyone was a six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Like there was no one who was bad. There was no one who really stood out hugely well. I think like you're basically talking about like a, a read performance that's like probably closer to a seven than a six, but still a six. Yeah, uh, Payne probably the same. And until the goal, probably Conroy the same, and that that's a good performance. Like, no, don't get me wrong, it's better than better than average kind of thing. Um, but yeah, what, as soon as as soon as you get a moment like that, I don't think it really matters like how you played the rest of the game because it, it depends on how you want to give them out of the match. But I, I feel like when whenever I give my explanations on here, I'm always talking about the story of the game and all that kind of thing. And well, there's only one story, isn't there? So it has to be Dion Conroy. Um, but yeah, lots of other things you can praise about different players in certain moments. I mean, we talked at length about the goal, Rich, but we've not mentioned for one second Iandolo's free kick, which I think might have gone in if it hadn't have been headed in. Maybe. I don't know if that's controversial, but it's oh. a great delivery. Yeah, oh, it's a lovely delivery. Perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has to be Conroy. Like, there's no... There's no argument after the goal, but I mean, there could have been an argument that he was it before the goal. So, yeah. I'm all for it because like Dion Conroy this season, even when he plays okay, there's always a moment where you just want him to succeed and then he does something daft. Um, And it's usually from playing from the back or trying to do something clever from the back. And there was none of that. I don't think Oldham made it difficult, but he did everything he was supposed to do correctly and and what more can you ask from them and as you say pretty much everyone was a six out of ten I think I think pain was good but I think there were a few moments where there were a few misplaced passes which took him out of the reckoning as far as I was concerned Reed is Reed um but yeah it, it was it was just who cares great great finish and now speaking of finishes this run in bloody hell what was it <laughs> 12 points between first and ninth it's incredibly close up there. Sixth, Swindon at the moment. If we win, you know, it, we could go into the top three. If we lose, we can drop down to ninth. It's it's really, really close up there. There's momentum with Bristol Rovers. Mansfield drop points uh, for the first time in a while, but they're, they're very much in the equation. And then Forest Green are having their wobble, maybe a little bit too late for them um, to to fill the consequences of that. But it's just so really close. And next 
We have the team directly below us, Sutton, who are going to Wembley. They lost over the weekend. So hopefully they're preserving themselves for their big day out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they they should because uh, we all know like how much you need to give at Wembley to get anything. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, they absolutely need to have both eyes fully on that. Um, but we, I mean, but we, good... have, we have to be better against Sutton, don't we? Uh, yeah, no, they're a better team than Oldham. They they play like we said. We've 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 seen them before. They 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 play a very direct and physical style. Um, they're very effective. Like they're up there for a reason. And I, I think a lot of the reason that they're up there is because they don't re- they don't seem to draw that many games. For like as far as I can see, they just seem to like win or we we beat them. I, I don't know <laughs> if that's actually correct, but like I I just feel like that there is uh there there's form. no point there's no point ever drawing. Yeah. Just just win games or like truck everything out and then lose one nil. I don't who cares? Um because like yeah, they, they just seem to like just keep getting points on the board uh, and, and staying up there. And that seems to be like what we've kind of turned around recently is like we we've stopped drawing games. I know that's because we've been <laughs> drawing at 95 minutes recently and then scored. <laughs> um but um yeah, I th- I think it's a, it's a little bit weird. Like I, f- I feel like we haven't really, although we're actually in a good form in terms of whether the, in terms of the form guide in the table, I still don't feel like we've had that run that's like the promotion run. Yeah. So hopefully that means that's to come. Oh, um, I'm I mean, not I'm not talking big because I'm just saying ho- hopefully. Um, but yeah, I, I I just I think it's a big game. It's a six pointer, isn't it? In in the, in the classic cliches, um, and I'm really looking forward to it now. Uh, it's one of those ones where again having to come re- relatively far for a Tuesday night game um, I now don't have a decision to make after Saturday <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to it <laughs> yes indeed well fingers crossed Swindon get back to back victories because that will do our promotion <laughs> hopes no harm at all but until then that I think that will do Connor lovely stuff thank you very much thanks Rich the low strangers is an independent podcast views given do not reflect those of swindon town football club the music is provided by the great matthew kilford and the podcast artwork is by matt in singapore thanks for listening come on swindon Left for Ironslow, hit him with power, with the right foot, he's down, it's in, it's in, Swindon have a winner, Swindon have a winner, right to the last goal, Perry Bath celebrates, nodded in, it's 1-0, and just as a Bradford last week, there cannot be any time. Ian Dole, Ian Dole's going to put it in, he puts it towards the back post, headed in, there you go, 1-0 Swindon, dear me, absolutely The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.